Okay, uh, brothers and sisters in the faith, praises be to our loving Father that we are again able to study his words and commandments today. We're going to talk about in great detail the Day of Atonement, one of the festivals Yahuwah Abba gave to each and every one of us. Why do we study the festivals of Yahuwah that was given to his people during the days of Moses? The book of Colossians 2, 16 to 17. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So why do we still observe the festivals? Because they are shadows of things to come and shadows of the substance who is of Christ. And so this shows us the festivals and the Sabbaths, they are of great importance. So much so they serve as memorials of Yahuwah's act of great kindness and love so that we can be thankful and grateful to him forever in its final fulfillment in Christ Yahushua. And so the fact it is a shadow of Christ proves that we must continue to observe the festivals of Yahuwah. What else is the reason why we observe the festivals of Yahuwah? That's because not only is it a shadow of Yahushua, it also is a shadows of things to come that have not yet come that is to be fulfilled by our king Yahushua himself. For this reason, it's also a rehearsal. Hence in Leviticus 23, 1 to 4, the feasts are referred to as holy convocations, which we know means a rehearsal, a preparation. It is an act or expression of faith and hope that there will be days ahead when our King Yahushua will fulfill to its completion the deep purposes of Yahuwah's festivals. And so it is an expression of our faith and hope in the love and work of Yahuwah through Yahushua. So the festivals and the Sabbath serve as a memorial, something to be thankful and grateful for, and a rehearsal, an expression of our faith and hope to honor Yahuwah and Yahushua. Hamashiach. So let's go ahead and examine again the Day of Atonement, the festivals of Yahuwah, including the Day of Atonement, so that we can properly understand its purpose and so give due honor to our loving Yahuwah Abba. Leviticus 23, 26 to 27 and 29. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, also, the 10th day of the seventh month shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And so what is the purpose of the Day of Atonement? It is a day where we find atonement for ourselves on the 10th day of the seventh month. Take note, this is the 10th day of the same month where the day of trumpets also falls into, right? So the first day of the first month, that's the blowing of trumpets. The way the feasts are connected is it kind of flows together because the day of trumpets on the first day of the seventh month, it is to announce the beginning of our repentance, of our long, our uh, reflection of self so that we can prepare for the day of atonement. So on the 10th day of the seventh month is the official day 
of the day of atonement. So how must we fulfill or observe this day of atonement? We need to afflict our souls. In other words, we need to show remorse, repentance, deep mourning and sorrow because of the sins that we are guilty of. And so we need to make sure we do our part in examining self so that we can afflict our souls. Now, how important is it that we mourn and repent from our sins? Bible says those who are not able to do this are cut off from his people. So we know it is of great importance. So let us do our best, beloved brothers and sisters, even today and the succeeding days leading up to our worship service on Sabbath. Let us do our best that we continue to examine self and ask Yahuwah Abba to correct our ways so that we can be worthy on that appointed day. Now, what also was done on the Day of Atonement? Let's read Leviticus 23 to 28. Uh, 23, 28, 30 to 32, and you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before Yahuwah your God. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening. From evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. And so how else must we observe the Day of Atonement? We need to observe it as a Sabbath of solemn rest. And so even if it doesn't fall on a Saturday, it becomes a high Sabbath. It is considered a Sabbath of solemn rest. So we do not do any work. Now, can Concerning the Feast of Yahuwah, it is, of course, based on the calendar. At the present moment, we have not yet determined the proper calendar to use. Because when you look throughout the internet, there are so many different versions of the Hebrew calendar. And so we are still, at the present moment, doing the research as far as restoring the correct calendar that Yahuwah Abba wants us to observe. It is our hope. By the next series of festivals, we would have restored the true and proper calendar that Yahuwah Abba wants us to observe. So for the time being, let us do our best to recognize the Day of Atonement as a day of affliction and a day of rest. It is supposed to be a holy day. Why? Because the Day of Atonement is a day to make atonement for you before Yahuwah. This is why it's called Day of atonement. And so we need to understand what does atonement mean? Let's look at the Hebrew word used for atonement. So let's go to Blue Letter Bible. This is what it says uh, for atonement. It's the Hebrew word 3722 kapar, which means what? It basically has the essence of being cleansed for the purpose of reconciliation. So Yahuwah Abba wants us to be cleansed of sin so that we can be reconciled for him. So the purpose of the cleansing of the sin is for us to have fellowship with Yahuwah Abba. And so why does sin need to be cleansed for us to have a relationship or fellowship with Yahuwah Abba? Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you 
so that he will not hear. So the day of atonement is to cleanse us of our sins so that Yahuwah Arba can maintain his fellowship with us. This was the purpose of the day of atonement back in the days of the people of Israel. And how was this to be done? How was this cleansing of sin for the purpose of reconciliation and fellowship carried out during the days of Israel? Leviticus 16, uh, 30, 32 to 34. Because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before Yahuwah, you will be clean from all your sins. The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put, put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar, and for the priest and all the people of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. And it was done as Yahuwah commanded Moses. So how was atonement made? For the people on the day of atonement, the Bible says it is led by one man. Who is that one man who leads the ceremony and is the only one who will do the ceremony of the uh, day of atonement? Who is that? The high priest. And so all the community of Israel is dependent on the work of this one man, the high priest. And when will the high priest perform his ceremony on the Day of Atonement? It's made once every year. Not once a week or once a day, but once every year. This is why it's a special occasion of national and deep cleansing of the sins of people. Yes, every day they offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. But this one is different. This one is special because it's a cleansing a complete cleansing of their sin, not only the people's sins, but you notice it also cleanses the priests and the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar. And so this cleansing process that is done on the day of atonement was meant not just for the people, including the priests, but also the tabernacle, which is composed of three parts, the altar and the outer courtyard, altar of burnt offering you have the tent of meeting or the holy place right and then you have the holy of holies or the most holy place so including the tabernacle that's covered by the cleansing on the day of atonement and the purpose for this is because because god wants to continue to have fellowship with his people so god's continuing presence with the people is only possible when the priests the people and the center of worship itself, the tabernacle, can be cleansed from all pollutions. Hence, the purpose of the Day of Atonement is for Yahuwah to remain in fellowship with his people. Because he cannot do that if there is sin. It hinders the work of Yahuwah's fellowship with his chosen and appointed one. So hence, he appointed the Day of Atonement. And the one who will lead, again, it is the high priest. So what will he do on the Day of Atonement? Well, Yahuwah established an elaborate uh, ritual, a process that involves 
many, many instructions. We'll go through them one by one. Leviticus 16.2, that uh, Yahuwah said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement, is there, and I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. So the Bible says that when it comes to the day of atonement ritual, it is to be performed by the high priest. And this ritual includes the high priest entering the most holy place, right? But he can only enter that place on this day of atonement. What is in the most holy place? The Ark of the Covenant. And so the priest, the high priest, must enter the Holy of Holies inside the Holy of Holies or the most holy place is called the Ark of the Covenant. It is in the Ark of the Covenant that Jehovah Abba manifests his presence because in the Ark of the Covenant, there's the covering. You see the cherubs, the covering of the chest. That's called the mercy seat. That is where Yahuwah Abba manifests his presence. It's called his Shekinah glory. And so it's a visible presence of his glory that is manifested there once a year when the high priest will enter that place. And so before the high priest enters the place, what must happen first? Leviticus 16, 3 to 5, when Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions Fully, he must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and the linen undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram or a burnt offering. So there are two main offerings, a sin offering and a burnt offering. The sin offering will come from the priests and also from the people. And so the priest will offer a bull for a sin offering, right? And then he will get a goat that will be from the people's offering. And so these are the sin offerings offered to Yahuwah Abba for the purpose of cleansing the sin of the priests and also of the community of Israel. And so what does the process, how does the process begin? Leviticus 16, 6 to 7, Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with Yahuwah. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to Yahuwah at the entrance of the tabernacle. And so this process takes place outside the tabernacle at the entrance. And so the presentation of the bull and the goat, right? as a sin offering to Yahuwah Abba for Aaron and his family and for the rest of the community of Israel. Now, before he enters the holy place and before he slaughters the bull and before he slaughters the goat, what happens uh, next? Well, in Leviticus 16, 8 to 9, he is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to Yahuwah and which one will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for Yahuwah. This is interesting because remember, uh, the, uh, the ritual begins with a 
sacrifice, which is called a sin offering, the bull, right, for the priest, the high priest, and the goat from the people of Israel. However, the people of Israel will bring two goats. One is to be slaughtered and to be offered to Yahuwah as a sin offering. The other goat, something will happen to that other goat. He will not be slaughtered. The goat instead will be set free into the wilderness of Azazel, okay? And so we'll, we'll go over that, sacri- that ritual later on. So de- to determine which goat gets to be the goat as an offering to Yahuwah and the goat that will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel, they had to cast lots. This is how it basically looks like. You have two goats. You cast the lot to determine which one is to be slaughtered and which one is to be set free into the wilderness. And so what will this other goat be called? The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by lot to be sent away, will be kept alive standing before Yahuwah. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with Yahuwah. And so that's the structure of the uh, Day of Atonement. There's a sacrifice and there's the ritual about concerning the goat that will be set free, right? To go into the wilderness. Let's go. Let's begin with the sacrifice. Remember, the sacrifice first involves a sacrifice for sins on the part of the high priest, the bull. So the bull is to be slaughtered first. Leviticus 16, 11 and 12. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family making them right with Yahuwah. With Yahuwah. After he has slaughtered the bull as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before Yahuwah. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powder, powdered incense and will carry the burner and the incense behind the inner uh, curtain. And so before uh, the high priest will enter the most holy place, he slaughters the bull, in the uh, outer courtyard, the altar of the burnt offering, right there. You see the altar of the burnt offering. He slaughters the bull, right? And then he gets uh, the burning coal in a censer. And also he takes some incense and he goes to the most holy place. And he places the incense on the coal to produce the ascending smoke of incense to cover uh, the, the ascending glory of Yahuwah. And what will he do once he gets into the most holy place? Like what I said, there in Yahuwah's presence, he will put the incense on the burning coals so that the cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. So he takes the, uh, the coal, he takes the incense, and the coal comes from the burning of the bull, right? So gets the coal takes the incense, goes inside the most holy place, and he mixes the incense with the coal to produce the ascending cloud, okay? That's how this is a a depiction of that. And once this happens, what is the next step in the ritual? Leviticus 16, 14, then he must take some of the blood of the bull, dip his finger in it, and sprinkle it in the east side of the atonement cover. He must sprinkle the blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. And so after the incense ceremony is finished, he goes back to the outer courtyard. He gets the blood of the bull. 
He comes back inside the holy place or the most holy place and sprinkles the blood on the cover, the cover, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. He, he spreads it or he, he spreads the blood seven times, okay? After the slaughtering of the bull and the use of the, the bull's blood in this ritual, what does he do next? Remember, the purpose of this is for the cleansing, right, of the priest and his family. But the process is not yet finished. Leviticus 16 and the verses 15. Then Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people and carry its blood behind the inner curtain. Then he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover and in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood and so the blood of the goat is also sprinkled seven times there on the ark of the covenant on top of the mercy seat and through this process the people are their sins have been cleansed so the bull cleanses the priest and his family the goat cleanses the people or the community but it's not yet finished because remember, the whole purpose of this national cleansing of the people of Israel is not just to cleanse the people, right? But also to cleanse what? The tabernacle. So what happens next? Leviticus 16, 16. Through this process, he will purify the most holy place and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. And Leviticus 16, 18 to 19, then Aaron will come out to purify the altar that stands before Yahuwah. He will do this by taking some of the blood from the bulls and the goat and putting it on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his fingers seven times over the altar in this way. He will cleanse it from Israel's defilement and make it holy. And so the tabernacle itself is to be cleansed, not just the people, but also the tabernacle. And so the ceremony of spreading blood, even on pieces of the tabernacle, is also conducted. And what is the purpose of this? Why is even the most holy place and the tabernacle also part of the cleansing ritual? Leviticus 16, 16. Through this process, he will purify the most holy place, and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because, it says right there, because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. You see, there's something we need to understand about sin. What is that? Sin defiles. Sin adds up. And sin can infect and influence everything it comes into contact with. That's just the nature of sin. There's defilement of sin. So throughout the year, the tabernacle is used for the atonement of sins, right? When the people of Israel would approach the priest to offer a sin offering. And so the tabernacle is used again and again and again. And so the sin of the rebelliousness of the Israelites, it compounds, it defiles even the most holy place and the tabernacle. So it also needs to be cleanse this is why the day of atonement is a day of deep cleansing it's like you know when you brush your teeth right you clean it every day you brush your teeth every day but every once in a while you have to see a dentist for professional cleaning it's called deep cleaning well the the concept is basically the same 
And so throughout the year, the people of Israel would commit sin, have forgiven, have their sins forgiven through the process of the sin sacrifices, their sins are forgiven. However, they're set aside one day where there is complete cleansing, including the most holy place in the tabernacle, because sin defiles. Sin affects and infects everything it comes in contact with. This is why in Isaiah 24, 46, the, the problem of sin is quite evident. In Isaiah 24, 46, the earth dries up and withers. The whole world grows weak. Both earth, earth and sky decay. I want to pause there for a while. Is that statement true? When we look around us today, when we examine what's happening throughout the world, fires, blizzards, hurricanes, flooding, earthquakes, what's happening throughout the world? The earth is drying up, it's withering, the whole world grows weak, both earth and sky decay. The people have defiled the earth by breaking God's laws and by violating the covenant he made to last forever. So God has pronounced a curse on the earth. It's people are paying for what they have done. Fewer and fewer remain alive. This is why, because of the defilement of sin, the whole earth is consumed by wrath. and The whole earth is collapsing or falling apart. Yahuwah God does not want that sin will destroy us. And so he appointed a day of atonement. On the day of atonement, what happens to the sins of the people, Leviticus 16, 17, no one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with Yahuwah. And so Yahuwah Abba established the Day of Atonement so that there will be purification, cleansing. It begins with individuals, the priests, right? It extends to the family, right? So individual, family, and then the entire one, congregation. And so it's a general cleansing. It's a general expression of repentance that leads to cleansing of the community, including the center of Worship. This was the purpose of the Day of Atonement. This is why the Day of Atonement was a very, very significant and important day in the lives of the people of Israel. What happens after this? Uh, Leviticus 16, 20 to 22, when Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place and the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will lay both hands of his. Uh, he will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. And so. After the ceremony concerning uh, the tabernacle and the people's sins, now it's time to focus on the goat that's still alive. One of the goat was slaughtered, right? The other goat's still alive. Why? What's the purpose of this goat? Well, the Bible says the high priest will place his lay, will lay his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness of the sins of the people of Israel. And then what's to happen 
with this goat as the high priest will place his hands on the goat. Well, in 620 to 22, when Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place and the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will uh, lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness. When Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, and so, uh, yeah, let's keep reading. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess it over all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specially chosen for a task will drive the goat into the wilderness. So it's kind of symbolic. The goat carrying the sins of the people of Israel will go to, to a wilderness never to be seen again into a desolate land. And so it has the symbolism of removing the sin, including the wickedness and the guilt and the consequences of sin, far away from Israel. Take note, it started in Israel, right? It was at the center of the camp, the tabernacle area. It started there, but it was set free and it's removed from Israel. So sin is removed from Israel symbolically by this goat. So that's the goat ritual. After the goat ritual, what happens next? In 23 to 25, when Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he was wearing when he entered the most holy place, and he must leave the garments there. Then he must bathe himself with water in a sacred place, put on his regular garments, and go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with Yahuwah. He must then burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. And so this was the burnt offering ritual. And so the ritual is like this. It starts with a sin offering, right? The bull, the goat. Next, the goat ritual. Next, the burnt offering ritual. So all in all, these are the activities of the day of atonement, sacrifice of a bull for the cleansing of the high priest and the family. That's number one. Number two, you carry the burner and incense, the first entrance into the most holy place. Number three, sprinkle the blood of the bull on atonement cover, second entrance to the most holy place. Number four, slaughter the first goat for the cleansing of the people. Number five, sprinkling the blood of the goat on the atonement cover, the third entrance of the most holy place. Number six, cleansing of the tabernacle, cleansing of the altar, then you have the scapegoat ceremony and the burnt offering for the high priest and the people. That's a lot of things to do, wouldn't you say? On the day of atonement, it was very elaborate. And the reason why is because Yahuwah Abba wants us to understand. And I hope I have everyone's attention. Yahuwah wants us to understand that we, we need to be serious about how to deal with the problem of sin. If this ceremony is elaborate, it's because sin is so defiling in the eyes of Yahuwah Abba. And so we need to understand and look at the seriousness of sin with great seriousness. In other words, we need to make sure that we do our best to repent from these sins. You know, it's a good thing for us. We don't have to carry out all of these different tasks. Can you imagine if we still had to do that today, right? That's going to be very, very difficult to do. Um, but why do we no longer have to do that today? Because it was already satisfied by who? Our king, Yahusha. 
and so it was already satisfied by King Yahusha, then what is the purpose of observing uh, the Day of, of, of Atonement? Why do we still have to observe it? Why? Well, of course, like what we said to you, the festivals and the Sabbaths serve as a what? A memorial and also a rehearsal to honor Yahuwah and Yahusha. Let's now look at these two aspects of the Day of Atonement. How does it serve, for example, as a memorial uh, to honor Yahuwah and Yahusha? Well, let's look at Hebrews 9, 1 down to 5. Now, the book of Hebrews, uh, where does that fall into? The Old Covenant or the New Covenant? The Old Testament or the New Testament? Hebrews. Is that a book of the Old Testament? No, it's the book of the New Testament, right? The book of Hebrews. And so we are in the New Testament. Hebrews 9, 1 down to 5. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room uh, where the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. We saw that, right? Holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. What was on the covenant? The stone tablets. Yeah, Ten Commandments, ten words. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. <laughs> it's a good thing we've already discussed that in detail, right? But we're not going to do that again. And so uh, Apostle Paul uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, 1 down to 5, tells us and reminds us about the first covenant, reminds us about the holy place and the most holy place and the different regulations involving the tabernacle, okay? And so he, he, he discussed that. He was reviewing for us what Moses was given long ago by Yahuwah. What then uh, does uh, Apostle Paul recount? Let's read 6 to 7. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly in the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room. What is that place? The most holy place, only the high priest. And that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself. Remember the bull and for the sins of the people, the goat, remember, had committed in ignorance. And so what is Apostle Paul referring to here? What is that? What ritual is that Apostle Paul's mentioning here? That is what? The day of atonement. It happens once a year. And on the day of atonement, the high priest will enter the most holy place to offer sacrifice for his sins and for the sins of the people. What was the purpose? How, why, how do we recognize the observance of the Day of Atonement during our time. What do we need to learn and understand as a memorial? Let's read Hebrews 9, 8 to 10. The Holy Spirit was showing. And so the Holy Spirit wants to teach us something. He wants us to remember something. He was showing. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. And so the Holy Spirit wants us to learn 
that the new order under the new covenant satisfies the purposes, the deeper purposes of the old covenant that could not have been satisfied during that time. Now, during our time, we should appreciate what we have. And so to be able to celebrate and observe the Day of Atonement in a way, as a way of remembering and as a memorial, we need to understand how grateful we should be, how fortunate we are that under the new order, the new covenant, we don't have to go through the rituals and the ceremonies. Okay, why? Why not? Let's read the book of Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. So apparently our King Yahushua entered the most holy place, but not here on earth, somewhere else, right? In a, in a, in a place that's not man-made, that is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctifies them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more? Then with the blood, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. And so what should we appreciate? What should we be thankful of? As we observe the Day of Atonement as a memorial, we need to be thankful and appreciate that we have a high priest who entered the most holy place, which was not created by hands here on earth, so that we can obtain eternal redemption. How was that achieved, this eternal redemption? The Bible says, instead of offering the blood of a goat, the high priest offered what? Himself, his own blood. So that we have eternal redemption. And because of eternal redemption, by the shed blood of our King Mashiach, what do we have? The Bible says our consciences have been cleansed and we can serve the living God. And because we have eternal redemption, what is in store for us? 915. For this reason, Christ is a mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And so how can we, as people of God today, appreciate what we have in Christ Yahushua by placing our trust in Christ as our mediator of the new covenant. If Yahusha is the mediator of the new covenant, what is included in this uh, deal, this testament between Yahusha and those who belong to that new covenant? A promised everlasting life because of the perpetual and eternal redemption achieved by his shed blood. This is why we are truly fortunate uh, living during this time because we have eternal redemption. What does that mean? Eternal redemption that leads to an internal, e eternal inheritance. In Hebrews 10, 11 to 14, day after day, 
every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Why? What does it mean that because of Yahushua and his sacrifice, his shed blood, we have obtained eternal redemption? It means that Yahushua no longer has to repeat the same sacrifice again and again and again. It was enough for him to do that once and for all. And so we have eternal redemption. Now we have the opportunity for eternal inheritance. But for us to achieve this, we must, it must serve as a memorial. How so? We need to now learn to place our faith, our faith in the new mediator. How do we do that? What's, what must we accept with faith so that we can appreciate this memorial of the Day of Atonement? Hebrews 9, 11, and 14, when Christ came as a high priest. The unique thing about Yahushua being a high priest was not only did he become high priest for us on the Day of Atonement, right? He also used his own blood so that we can be set free from our sins. It's very similar to the Passover, remember the Passover? During the Passover, there was the death of the Lamb of God, right? During the uh, Yahusha being the high priest of the new covenant, there's also his death. And so both involve the death of Yahusha. This is why the death of Yahusha HaMashiach is so central when it comes to the plan of salvation. It was a necessity. Because it covered so much that was based on the law of Yahuwah. And so without the shedding of blood, without dying on the cross, without being the Passover lamb, we would not have this everlasting covenant. Hence, we need to remember that. And so during Passover, we remember Yahusha as the Passover lamb, right? The lamb that was slaughtered. We remember the suffering of Yahusha. Okay, that's part of the memorial of Passover. Remembering Yahushua as the Passover lamb died. How about on the Day of Atonement? What do we remember? What do we believe? Uh, for the Day of Atonement, we must believe and have faith that Yahushua became our high priest. And so we celebrate. We celebrate the Day of Atonement by professing our faith that Yahushua is now our high priest. The high priest who used not the blood of goats but his own blood so that we can be set free from sin forever. Did you get that? That's how we remember Yahusha. We remember the sacrifice of King Yahusha as our high priest. This is how we memorialize the day of atonement to honor our King and loving Mashiach, Yahusha. Do we believe, brothers and sisters, that Yahusha is our high priest? If we do, then what should we Take advantage of. What invitation must we accept with faith? Let's read Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest 
who has gone through the heavens, Yahusha, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what must we do if we truly believe that Yahusha is our high priest? We must approach him, especially on as we observe the day of atonement. Because even though Yahusha has cleansed us from sin, brethren, be truthful. Have we still committed sin? What is your answer? Have we still committed sin? Yeah. This is why we still need to approach our loving King Yahusha as our high priest, as our mediator, as our savior, as our Passover lamb, that our sins can be forgiven and be cleansed. Isn't this what Apostle John said? Confess your sins to who? Yahusha. Not the priest, but our true high priest. Who is our true high priest? Yahusha. Do you believe that Yahusha is your high priest? And go to him for your cleansing. Go to him for your atonement and forgiveness of sin. So the way to memorialize the Day of Atonement, to observe the Day of Atonement through Yahusha, is to have faith and to believe and to hold on to Yahusha as our what? High priest. Never forget, he is your high priest. And he's a great high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. And so that's how we memorialize the Day of uh, Atonement. Now, how do we rehearse for that? Because we know the festivals is a memorial and also a rehearsal. So in what way is the Day of Atonement a rehearsal? Let's read, uh, remember the list of activities concerning the Day of Atonement? And the one who is conducting these activities is who? The high priest, right? But there's something that we did not add there, something we left out that we should have added there. In every single step, maybe like a 1A, a 2B, a 3A, or a 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. There's something that we left out there. It's an important part. You know what that is? Not only that the high priest led all these activities, but also, also, and I want you to listen to this. The fact that the high priest is able to come out of the most holy place. Did you know that if the high priest were to enter the most holy place, unworthily, without fully complying to the directions and instructions, what would happen to the high priest? He will die. If the high priest will die, what would happen to the atonement of the people of Israel? It would perish. It would be judgment. It would be judgment. This is why every single time the day of atonement commences, the people of Israel throughout the land, they're nervous. <laughs> why? Because their future hinges on the success of their high priest. There's nothing they can do about it. It's entirely upon the shoulders of one man. Who is that? The high priest. Can you imagine how nervous you'd be? Imagine yourself. You were living during the days of Israel. And the, it was a day of atonement. The high priest is going to enter the holy place. And in the most holy place, you're probably nervous. Is he going to come out? <laughs> if he doesn't come out, what's going to happen to us? Right? Why must the high priest always be careful? Remember Leviticus 16, Yahuwah said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain 
in front of the atomic cover on the ark or else he will die because I appear in the cloud over the atomic cover. He is to put the incense on the fire before Yahuwah and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the testimony so that he will not die. There's always that potential of the high priest dying. If the high priest dies, the hope of Israel would die with him. But if the high priest comes out and he was successful, it was the happiest day. It was the happiest day in the year of Israel. Throughout the year, the happiest day is the day of atonement when the high priest comes out. The saddest day is when the high priest goes in and he doesn't come out. That's the saddest day because it would mean judgment. But if the priest comes out, it would mean what? The forgiveness of sins. They were the happiest. This is why it flows nicely into the festival of tabernacles. You get it? So he starts with trumpets, day of atonement, tabernacles. It flows one to the other. And so this was crucial, the work of the high priest. Incidentally, this might be connected or not connected, but I just found this article today, and it's from the Jerusalem Post. And I don't know if this has anything to do at all with what we're doing, but I want you to see it anyways. Right? It's uh, the pool of water near the Dead Sea turns blood red. Authorities are investigating. Geologists believe the red color of the pool near the Dead Sea may be caused by algae, iron oxide, or ab chemicals. We don't know. That's strange. If you were an Israelite and you were living in the Dead, by the Dead Sea, you know the Dead Sea is important. And we also know about the blood turning red. It was what? One of the plagues. And this happened during the season of the Day of Atonement. And so if there, it could be a sign, an ominous sign of that for the people of Israel. I don't know. That's not a good sign. It's not a sign that we want to see, right? The sign that we want to see, if you were alive in the days of Moses, was the high priest coming out. Remember, as servants of Yahusha, Yahusha is now our high priest, right? He went into the most holy place, did he not? He went to the most holy place where? In heaven, in heaven. Is he going to come out? <laughs> Will he come out? When he comes out, what for? Let's find out. Hebrews again, 924 to, 29, uh, 924 to 28. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary. Okay, That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The way the high priest enters the most holy place. Every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Yahusha, our high priest, who entered heaven itself, not in a man-made sanctuary, but in heaven itself. As our high priest, will he come back? We believe he will. How do we profess our faith that he will come back? We rehearse. 
<laughs> How do we rehearse? We observe the day of atonement because these events depict the day of atonement. And so when we observe the day of atonement, when we proclaim the day of atonement and its fulfillment in Yahusha, we express our faith and hope that he will appear a second time. And when he appears a second time, what will he bring? Bible says he's going to bring what? Salvation. Do you believe that? So we're rehearsing now for that. This is why we still observe the day of atonement to celebrate, to honor Yahusha for what he did as our high priest so that he can come back so that we can receive the gift of his sacrifice in completion, the, rece the receiving of our salvation. Okay, so that's rehearsal. Number one, that's not rehearsal number one, the second appearance of Yahushua for salvation. But not only that, we know that Yahushua died on the cross. And in Isaiah 53, it was portrayed by the prophet Isaiah, what would happen to our King Yahushua. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced uh, through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. But Yahuwah has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. And so this was a prophecy that was fulfilled in our king. Yahushua. In this prophecy, he was pierced because of our transgressions. What pro how was that prophecy fulfilled? He was nailed on the cross, right? But who rejected this sacrifice of our King Yahushua? Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? He was despised and we did not esteem him. The Jews. The Israelites, they rejected the sacrifice of Yahusha. Only a small remnant accepted the sacrifice of Yahusha. But Israel as a whole rejected its true king and high priest, Yahusha. However, the prophecy in Isaiah is not yet, is not the only prophecy there is. There's also a prophecy in Zechariah. Isaiah tells us that he will be rejected. But Zechariah tells us a different story. What is that? Zechariah chapter 12, 10 to 14. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. In that day, there will be great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Hadad Rimon in the plague of Megiddo. The land will mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves. The family of the house of Nathan by itself, and their wives by themselves. The family of the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves. The family of the Shemites by itself, and the wives by themselves. All, all. The families that remain, every family by itself and their wives by themselves. Remember, during the days of Yahusha on earth, they rejected Yahusha as their king, right? The Israelites, they rejected the king Yahusha. During our time, a remnant of Israel, a remnant of Israel, they believed in Yahusha. 
as their high priest and their king, right? However, the Bible says time will come when not just the remnant, but the Bible says that every family from the house of David, every family that remain all over the world, what will become of them? They will receive the spirit of grace and of supplication. They will be moved into great mourning in Jerusalem. In other words, there's going to be this great revival of all Israel. And they will at last accept Yahushua, the one they pierced as their Mashiach and their high priest. To fulfill what Yahushua said in Matthew 23. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahuwah. And that's going to happen in Jerusalem when that spirit of supplication will sweep over the people of Israel, not just the remnant, but every family of the people of Israel. And they will declare that the one they pierced is indeed the Mashiach and the high priest. And on that day, Yahusha will become high priest, not just of the remnant of Israel, but all, all of Israel. This is why the Day of Atonement also points forward to a rehearsal to that day when Israel, all Israel, will accept Yahusha as their high priest. Okay? That's rehearsal number two. Just one more rehearsal. One more before we wrap things up. Okay, one more. What is that? Let's go back to Leviticus 16. This is interesting. Eight down to nine. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to Yehudah and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by lot for Yahuwah. And so here, as part of the ritual on the Day of Atonement, two goats, right? One goat is to be offered to who? Yahuwah. This was typified also in the sacrifice of Yahusha, right? For the forgiveness of our sins. But there's another goat who is not to die. But this goat is to carry the sins of the people into the wilderness of Azazel, right? And so on is an offering to Yahusha. One is to be carried into the wilderness. Now, what does that mean? It is to be carried to the wilderness of Azazel. Azazel is actually a name, but it's only found here in the entire book of the Holy Bible. However, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls that was discovered in 1947 in the Dead Sea or the caves by the Dead Sea, this is what this is what they found out about Azazel. Azazel is regarded as the name of a demon in the Dead Sea Scrolls and other ancient Jewish books. In fact, in one scroll, uh, Azazel is the leader of the angels that sin in Genesis 6, 1 to 4. The same description appears in the book of First Enoch. And so there are those who believe Azazel stands for, is a name of a demon. And so the, the wilderness of Azazel represents uh, Satan and his minions, the demons, who caused people to commit sin. After all, it was sin 
who initiated the first sin, right? When he tricked or deceived Adam and Eve. It is also the devil who deceives and tempts people to continue to commit sin. So sin and Azazel, sin and the devil are connected. But this goat that will be taken to the wilderness of Azazel, it will be taken to desolate lands. It will be removed far, far away from Israel, from the people of God. But here's another thing about Azazel. The name itself, when you look at the etymology, the name itself suggests different meanings. The word Azazel also means to drive away, to remove, dismissal, entire removal, and complete destruction. And so the symbolism of the goat that carries the sins of the people of Israel that is to be taken into the wilderness of Azazel that is symbolizing the process of removing entirely and completely destroying sin, death, and the consequences of sin, right? And so we know Yahusha fulfilled the first part because he himself was the one who offered his own blood instead of a goat, right? But how was this part fulfilled? Because this part has not been completely fulfilled yet. Because the, the sin and death, it's still part of our humanity. We still commit sin, do we not? I mean, yeah, we have been cleansed, but we still commit sin because of our human nature. And so sin is still, sin is still present. Death is still present, right? But when will it be completely removed? Well, let's go ahead and look at the book of Revelation 20, 10 and 14. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast, the false prophet, had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And so how would that be fulfilled? How would Yahusha fulfill that part uh, where the goat takes the sin and the consequences of sin, including death, far away from the people of Israel? That's when the devil, the one who started the sin with Adam and Eve, right? Who tempted to commit for Adam and Eve to commit the first sin. The devil, the false prophet, the beast, perpetrators of the sin. Death, the result of sin, that will be completely destroyed. Where? In the lake of fire. And so sin will be dealt with completely, removed entirely, completely destroyed. Death will be completely destroyed because it will be cast into the lake of fire. And so that represents the complete fulfillment of that goat ritual. It will take place when Yahusha will cast into the lake of fire the devil, sin, and death itself. This is why when we observe the uh, Day of Atonement, we are also rehearsing for the second appearance of Yahusha for our salvation. We are rehearsing all the day when all Israel will accept Yahusha as a high priest. And we are also rehearsing when sin and its consequences are forever removed and destroyed. And when this takes place, when all three has been satisfied, do you know what's going to happen next? Let's read one more passage before we pray together. Revelation 21, 1 to 4, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and there was no, no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepares a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, no, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death 
or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And so when Yahusha has completed all the different purposes of the festivals, because the festivals also point to events that will take place in the future. When Yahusha has completed all that, it will lead to the new heavens and the new earth. And you notice in the new heavens and the new earth, sin is no longer present. And the consequences of sin is no longer present. That's why the Bible says no more death, no more crying, no more pain, right? That's the result of sin. There's no more of that. And you notice also, there's no longer any sea. You notice that? No sea. Why? What does the sea represent? The judgment of Yahuwah Abba. No death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, no judgment. Because it has been removed forevermore. Completely removed from the people of God. And so we rehearse, we profess faith in expectation and anticipation of the new heavens and the new earth that is promised by Yahuwah Abba through Yahusha HaMashiach. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, yes. merciful and loving Yahuwah Allahim, Amen. thank you so much for blessing your people, yes, giving us wisdom as yes. we study your holy book. Amen. We are but mere human beings yes. when it comes to intellectual capacity. Yes. We know that we cannot possibly compete yes. with other people who surpass us in this aspect. Amen. But we do not rely on human wisdom. Yes. We rely on the work of your spirit. Yes. Father, we know it is you who shows your will, your plan yes. and purposes to babes, to those who will humble themselves. Yes. Father, we will do our best to humble ourselves. Yes. But when our pride gets in the way, we beg you to please show us our pride. Amen. Show us our infirmities. Yes. Show us aspects of ourselves yes. that defeat the purpose of our calling. Amen. Help us, Father, to be aware of the things that offend you, no matter how small they may be, yes. because it matters to us, because it matters to you. Amen. Loving Abba, in these days when we conduct a deep self-reflection yes. as we become more and more aware of our souls yes. and its true condition. We beg you, please help us to be truly repentant yes. and as we repent and return to you. May you accept us. Yes. May you be with us again. Yes. May you give us your spirit because we want to live with you, walk with you yes. and be by your side forevermore. Amen. Yahusha, our loving King and Mashiach. Yes. You are our high priest. Yes. And so we approach you humbly. Indeed, you can sympathize with our weaknesses. You understand each and every one of us. Yes. You know how beset we are with many sorrows and pains. Yes. Please, loving Mashiach, remember everyone here Bless us with strength coming from you. Yes. Forgiveness of sins, cleansing of our souls, yes. that we can remain in fellowship with you and with our loving Abba. Amen. We will celebrate your sacrifice. Yes. We will ponder upon what you did to be thankful to you, thankful yes. to our loving God. Amen. Father, thank you so much for remembering your people. Prepare yes. us, please, for our worship services bestow upon us the power of your spirit Amen. we ask and beg all things loving abba in the name of our lord and savior yahusha hamashiach amen, amen.